This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Welcome to today's program. This is Rick Renner. I've been sitting here waiting for you. And today we are going to return to the Eagle Mountain International Church in Texas, which is pastored by Pastors George and Terry Pearsons, where I'm preaching about how to overcome a spirit of fear. And actually, I'm elaborating from 2 Timothy chapter 1 about the situation that Timothy was in. Timothy found himself operating with a spirit of fear. Ah, and Paul said to him, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And likewise, my friend, God did not give you a spirit of fear. He did not. He gave you power. He gave you love. And he gave you a sound mind. When you have a spirit of fear, you don't think soundly. But when you're operating in what God gave you, you've got power, you've got love, and you think soundly. You're able to get a grip on your emotions, but you can't if you're operating under fear. And that's why I want you to be set free from a spirit of fear. But please order the whole series. It's two parts. It's called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times. And it comes with a great study guide. My friends, it is such a blessing. You will devour this series and it will set you free. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. How to survive, thrive, and overcome in the midst of difficult situations. And if you're in a hard place, you, my friend, can survive it. You can thrive in it. You can overcome it. And this book will help you to do it. But today, we're going to return to Eagle Mountain International Church, where I'm continuing to preach about how you can overcome a spirit of fear. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire strengthen and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. When my grandmother Renner was very old, one day she said to me, Ah, oh, Ricky, I'm of no value to anybody. Can't get out of this chair. All I can do is sit here and pray for you. I said, Grandma, it's probably the most effective thing you've ever done for me. Keep it up. Keep it up. Every time you call my name, you're building a statue of me that God sees. Pack the throne room of heaven so full that God cannot get away from seeing me. There's Rick. There's Rick. There he is. Can I ever get away from him? There he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. That is the power of our prayers. And my friends, when you call God's, someone's name to God in prayer, you're literally building something in the presence of God that he will be confronted with. And then the following verse, Paul says, I'm mindful of your, what? Tears. So he's received this letter from Timothy. Now, why is Paul in prison? Because when this governmental persecution began after the great fire of Rome, they began to round up Christians. This is when they began to burn Christians at the stake. Most Christians were burned at the stake. Do you know why? Because according to the Roman law, you were killed according to your crime. If you were a thief, they cut your hand off. If you were an arsonist, they burned you. And that's why Christians were being burned. And now Paul is among the leaders that have been rounded up. And Paul is sitting in prison. 
The fake news is all over the city of Rome. The chief arsonist that planned the fire of Rome has been captured. He is in prison. And back in those days, there were not newspapers, but there were walls covered with news. And people were gathering around the walls, reading the latest news. They have captured the chief arsonist. Now, Paul is sitting in prison. He cannot say a word to defend himself. And he knows what everybody's saying about him. But because he is a Roman citizen, he can receive mail. That's one of his guarantees. He gets a letter in the mail from Timothy. And the letter says, Paul, you have no idea how I feel. I'm suffering here in Ephesus. If you were here, you would understand the traumatic events that I'm going through. People have walked out. They have left me. They have abandoned me. Paul, I need you to help me. He writes to Paul, who is in prison suffering for his faith. The three free man is reaching to the bound man, <laughs> asking for help. And isn't it amazing how when we're all in trouble, we all usually think that our situation is worse than anybody else has ever been. And now Timothy, who is free, he can walk on the streets, writes to Paul, who is bound and who has really been abandoned by all of his friends at his first trial. He says that in chapter 4. He says, Paul, you have no idea how I feel. Now Paul can see the teardrops. So what does Paul do? He doesn't do what Timothy expected. Would you help me? Would you stand right here? Timothy expected probably that Paul would just reach out spiritually and hug him <laughs> and say, Timothy, I can't begin to understand how difficult your situation is. <laughs> it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes that's not helpful, especially if it's not true. It would have been a lie if he had said, it's just going to be all right. It was not going to be all right. It was not time for Timothy to cower and retreat. It was time for him to step forward as a man of faith. And he needed somebody to speak the truth to him. And so now Paul does the most amazing thing. Look what he does. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance... The unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Well, I'm sure that when Timothy saw that, he thought, what, what, what? Why are you talking to me about my grandmother? Why are you talking to me about my mother? I'm telling you about me. I'm in trouble. Please tell me something to help me. And Paul says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother Eunice and your mother Lois, or maybe I got their names mixed up, but you get the point. And the word dwelt, by the way, 
That word dwelt is the word for a person who takes up residency in a house and they enjoy their life there. They prosper in that house, which meant his grandmother had a real thriving faith. It took up residency in her. It was a real faith. But notice he says, Timothy, when I called for remembrance, the unfeigned faith. What does that mean, unfeigned faith? Well, the word feigned is the Greek word for hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Do you know where that word comes from, hypocrisy? Anybody know? It is the Greek word which was used to describe the masks that were worn on the Roman and Greek stage. Back in those days, if you were an actor on the stage, you wore a mask. And actors then, and by the way, today also, were considered to be the lower rung of society because they would do anything and say anything for the applause of the people. They didn't mean a word they said. All they did was put on a new mask for whatever crowd they were talking to at the moment. And that is the very word that Jesus used when he said to the scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It was the equivalent of saying, I know who you guys are. You're just wearing a mask for the applause of the crowd. You don't mean a word you're saying. You don't mean a thing that you're doing. You're just putting on a mask for the people that are watching the show. But when you translate it unfeigned, it means authentic, not bogus, real, not a pretend faith, but a real, authentic, genuine faith. Now he says, Timothy, I know what kind of faith you have. It's not bogus. It's not pretend. It's not faith. Fake. It is the same kind of faith that was in your grandmother. It lived and it thrived in her. It is the same faith that she passed to her daughter, your mother. It lived and it thrived in her. And now, Timothy, that same living, thriving, real, authentic faith is in you as well. But now wait, 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 wait. Why this discussion about Timothy's family history? Because Timothy is looking at his future. And when he looks at his future and he hears all the bad news, he hears all the fake news, he doesn't see anything good in his future. It looks like his future is very up in the air. He is so taken with the spirit of fear that he's paralyzed by looking at his future. So Paul says, Timothy, let's put the present and the future on pause just for a moment and let's turn around and look at your past. The only reason you have a spirit of fear about your future is because you're forgetting your past. And if you look at your past, you'll find that God was faithful faithful to your grandmother. God was faithful to your mother and they went through very difficult things, but they made it through everything. He says, remember, 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 remember. And then he says in the next verse, wherefore I put you in remembrance of these things. That's not what the Greek says. The Greek says it very differently and very differently in an important way. The Greek says, listen to me. Write this down if you're taking notes. I'm reminding you of these things. Reminding him of what things? 
that God's faithfulness is a part of his family's past. I'm reminding you of these things, that your grandmother had a real faith and God was faithful to your grandmother. I'm reminding you of your mother. She had a real faith and God was faithful to your mother. God never let them down. God never let them fall through the hole. He was always with them. I'm reminding you of all of these things. The Greek says that by your remembering them, you can stir up the gift of God that is in you. Now, most of us love that verse to stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. And so most people say, I want somebody to lay hands on me. But what do you do if you're by yourself and there's nobody to lay hands on you? How are you going to stir up that gift? How are you going to stir it up if there's nobody to lay hands on you? Well, in order to stir up coals, you have to have a poker, don't you? Now we find that God has given to every person a poker. It is called memory. I'm reminding you of these things that by your remembering and remembering and remembering and remembering them, you will stir up the gift of God that is in you by the putting on of my hands, which means if there's nobody else to lay hands on you by yourself, you can say, I'm putting this fear on pause and I'm going to remember everything God has ever done for me in the past. And by the time you walk through this event and this event and this event and this event, first of all, you'll realize what you're facing probably is not any worse than something you've already faced in the past. You walk through everything every time. You didn't think you'd have enough food on the table, but the truth is you need to lose 30 pounds. You're fine. You still ate. You still have a roof over your head. God walked you through everything. And by the time you walk through your past into your present, your faith will be so stirred up. Now you'll be ready to deal with your future. Now I'm not preaching theory to you. This is what I do. The last two years of my life... <laughs> I could write another book about the last two years of my life. Things being said to me, if there was ever an opportunity to operate in a spirit of fear, believe me, I have had it. I had to make a choice. You have to make a choice what you think about. You have to make a choice. In fact, if you jump over to verse 12, notice what Paul says. He said, I am persuaded. You see that word persuaded? Paul is talking about himself. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He is in prison. Threats are being made against him. Rather than think about the threats, he says, I know whom I have believed. The word I know, the Greek word oida, which means I've had experience with God, and by my experience with him, there are some things I know. He is absolutely faithful, and I am Persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. The word persuaded is the Greek word patho. The word patho means to coax someone from one opinion to another, to sweet talk them out of one opinion into another opinion, to sway them from one position to another position, which means Paul in prison 
has not had anybody to help him, nobody to help him think straight, nobody to help him deal with his own fears. So Paul Patho did some self-talk. He started talking to himself. And even though the reality said he was in trouble, he began to say, I know whom I have believed. And Paul walked himself into faith even when he was into prison. He talked himself into a position of faith. And my friends, there's no more body more powerful to talk to you than your own mouth. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing. What does the Greek say? Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Your head will believe what it hears. And if your mouth is running a bunch of negative stuff, your mind will believe it and it will become your reality. Your reality will be what you embrace. If you begin speaking faith to yourself and speaking it and speaking it and speaking it until you believe it, it will become your reality. We get what we believe. And there's a time to tell your head to shut up and for your mouth to begin telling you what to believe. Paul talked himself into faith because there was nobody else to talk to him. And now he says to Timothy, hey, I can't be there to lay hands on you, so I'm going to do the next best thing. Remember. What in the world are you doing thinking about your future like this? Turn around and look at your past. You didn't think you could pay your bills, but you did. You didn't think you'd make it through that trial, but you did. Walk through all of those experiences. That's why the book of Psalms tells us again and again to remember the works of the Lord. If you're afraid of your future, you're just forgetting your past. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance. The Greek says, I'm reminding you of all these things about your family that by you remembering them, you'll stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on my hands. For God has not given you this spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Wait. Then look what he says in verse 8. In verse 8, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That's very important because the word ashamed describes a person whose face is blushed with red. They are so embarrassed. They're feeling disgraced. Timothy is afraid to be associated with the Lord. And in Greek, it is a negative with a prohibition. It means stop being ashamed. That is how far the spirit of fear had taken him. Even Timothy was tempted to be ashamed of being a Christian. And Paul says, furthermore, don't be ashamed of me either. Be not therefore. Stop being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And then he says, now listen to this. Be thou partaker. Everybody say, be thou partaker. Of the what? Of the what? Of the afflictions of the gospel. How? According to the power of God. Now, living in America is sweet. But Americans for their faith have not really suffered a lot for the gospel. But now we've entered a new age, haven't we? We're living at the end of the age. What the apostle Paul calls in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the end of days. The word last in Greek, the word eschatos, 
it describes the last port. When you've sailed to that port, you can sail no further. You've come to the end. Paul was describing the end of the age. When you come to the last port and there is no other place to sail, you've come to the very, very end of the age. He says perilous times will come. And my friends, if we're living in the end of the age, it means that's the territory we're going to live in. And in that territory, we might deal with some afflictions of the gospel. And of course, everybody's afraid of that. But let me tell you what the rest of the verse says. It says, what? According to, everybody say, according to? According to. The power of God. According to, ay, 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 it's the Greek word kata, the same word we saw in verse 1. A dominating force, something that dominates, conquers, subjugates. And here Paul declares that if you will take a stand for what is right, if you will refuse to budge, even if it seems society is against you, if you will do that which is right, if you will stand by the gospel, in that stand which seems to be so difficult, something divine takes place. The power of God shows up, Kata, to dominate you, conquer you, and subjugate you. God joins himself to the person or people who refuse to budge. We are living in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. As an end-time generation, we are facing things we never dreamed we would face and previous generations have not ever had to deal with before. Sometimes it seems like darkness has been unleashed, and as a result, many people have been gripped with fear. Others deal with fear about their finances, their health, their family, their jobs, their future. But you do not have to give in to fear. You can learn to conquer fear and speak faith to yourself. The programs in this series are being offered as a two-message set in digital and physical formats, starting at just $20. And this series will include two study guides, how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times. We are also offering Life in the Combat Zone, Rick's classic book that deals extensively with the situation the early church faced during the brutal days of Nero. It was a time when there was betrayal in the church, defections from the ranks, and people were troubled but they overcame fear and learned to speak faith to themselves. They learned how to survive, thrive, and overcome in difficult situations. And Rick will show you how you can do it too. Life in the Combat Zone is available for $17. Don't miss this special offer, the series How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times and the book Life in the Combat Zone. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think 
the TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid, grid that's going to hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is going to be one of the smaller studios. And this is going to be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios? Because we're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices, and in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, working with our network. It is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this and we will complete it. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We want to pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it, and they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. You know, when I preached this message at Eagle Mountain International Church, I felt such an anointing of the Spirit. It's like the Word of God just flowed through me, and I could feel people being set free as I ministered the Word. And that's what I'm praying will happen to you right now and all week as you listen to this message, which I preached live at the Eagle Mountain International Church. And my friend, I want to tell you again, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He did not. And if you're operating under fear, that is not the will of God. Instead, God gave to you power. He gave you power. He gave you love, divine love. And he gave you a sound mind. And if you're operating in anything other than power, love, and a sound mind, then God has something better for you. He certainly did not design you to operate under a spirit of fear. And that's why I want you to be set free from it. And I speak freedom to you right now from a spirit of fear in Jesus' name. But I want you to have the whole two-part series because it will really encourage you. It's called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times and it comes with a great study guide. Everything in the series is also in the study guide. And we're offering you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, How to Survive, How to Thrive, and How to Overcome in the Midst of Any Difficult Situation. This book has your name on it. It's waiting for you. It will really help you to survive, thrive, and overcome whatever 
you're dealing with. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you designed us for freedom. And I speak freedom to my friend in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you in the next program. But remember, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.